Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to come to you today. Today, I am going to share with you some of my professional experience. And then in another episode, maybe I'll share some of my private experiences in life. Why I'm doing this is because I want you to know a little bit about me. I am both and, and I hope you are too. This is not an either or girl. She lived that way for many years, and that ain't how the rest of my life is going to go. Um, I am, let me start with my personal life first. So I grew up in a very rural town. It was very white. I had uh, extended family on both sides. Back in the day, you used to go to, I remember as a child, we would go to card parties where the adults would sit around and play cards and the kids would play together. And that kind of community connection is really not as Um, available today as it was in the 70s. Of course, that was back when we weren't wearing seatbelts and I was riding the back of like a pickup truck without, you know, you could never get away with that today. But so I grew up in a rural town, lower um, to middle working class, white America, Uh, very proud of my family and what they have achieved. I didn't know until I was 45 years old that I am at least four generations deep into intergenerational trauma. And we'll talk about intergenerational trauma in another episode because it's important and I bet you have it in your family too. So having said all that, it was a really good way to grow up um, because I had a lot of cousins around and my mom was single. Uh, They divorced when I was four years old. My dad had his own um, mental health and substance use issues. My family's had their own issues. My mom was busy trying to pay the rent for us and she works really hard, but I was an only child and I found relief in school. Some people don't, but I thrived. I was pretty much an all-A student. I knew that that was my ticket out of what I saw and didn't like And I just knew that there wasn't really an option for me other than that, because what I saw around me um, was a lot of people in pain. And I (laughs) was looking for solutions. I'm not greater than anybody. I'm not less than anybody. But, um, you know, hardworking Americans really um, have some other stuff going on, too, you know. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to open this up and talk about how that really is the thread that connects us all whatever skin you're in whatever whatever generation you're in whatever history you have whatever future you think you have we are all connected by human suffering and so i was very well aware of that growing up i um, graduated i decided to go and have some fun in my life i worked at cedar point which is in um, what I lovingly refer to as the armpit of America, Ohio. I love Ohio. I have friends in Ohio. Hi, Elaine. But it rains every day in the summer around midday. And so it perspires. So uh, we lovingly called it the armpit of America. I met some Brits there and decided, oh God, commercial recreation is for me. I, I need to do this. This is I didn't even know it was a career. I didn't even know you could have fun doing a career. I mean, that was back when everybody's career that I knew was just paying the bills (laughs) and raising their kids. So um, from there, I went to Central Michigan, went down to Disney World on a college uh, credit program, 
fell in love with hope and magic and imagination and fun. And I was young. And so I experienced so many things. But one of the best things I experienced was meeting people from other parts of the world. Honestly, that really set the stage for me because where I came from, everybody looked the same. They acted the same. They thought the same. They had the same families. You knew everybody's families. In fact, one side of my family is married to the other side of my family. So um, that's not uncommon where I come from. That's 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 white America sometimes. Um, and I say that lovingly. So at Disney World, I met somebody who went to work in Alaska for a summer. So I went up on the Kenai and I worked on the Kenai River at the Princess Lodge. And wow, wow, game changer. Paid off all my bills, saw Alaska, got the travel bug, started to consider that things were possible for me. And then I went back down to Disney because I thought that's where my career was. And I met so many good people there. But you know, there was a hole in my heart. And I remember the day that I decided I was going to become a social worker. It was when a family came up to the hotel I was working at after saving their entire life to take their family to Disney for one week. Now, again, I will not talk a lot of bad smack about Disney. It's a very good program. It's a very good company. They do a lot of trainings or they, at least they used to do a lot of trainings with corporations on how to actually, you know, keep your employees happy. I think they've kind of adapted out of that in the recent decades. But one of the things that really struck me that day was the fact that here this family had been spending their entire lives to give a little bit of magic to their kids. And we were charging them so much money. I mean, gross amounts of money. You cannot take a vacation to Disney World without spending thousands of dollars. And that's even if you take your own food. And let me tell you, when I was six years old, my daddy took me to Walt Disney World. And I was the happiest clam in the world because I found a pen on the floor. And I kept it. And that was my souvenir. Because we couldn't afford souvenirs. We couldn't afford food. And you know what? My dad slept in. We slept in our car so that we could go to Disney the next day. That's how you did shit when you didn't have stuff. And so, you know, I have fond memories, but that pen mean, meant more to me than all the stuffed animals that this family was going to buy. And so it broke my heart. And at the same time, it really made me realize there's got to be a cheaper way to find happiness in this world. This, 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 this doesn't make sense. And so I went back to school. I asked my parents if I could move back in with them. And I will be honest, that is one of the privileges I had is that I had the luxury as a young 20-something with my skin color to actually go back to my family, live with them rent-free, and go to school. And I wish that for all of us because not that education is the only tool, but for me, it opened so many doors. I got a bachelor's. I worked in Flint, Michigan, the home of the water crisis. There are, Flint gets a bad rap. I think at one time it had a higher crime rate than Detroit, statistically. But you know what? There's a lot of good people in Flint. 
there are a lot of community organizers in Flint. There are community gardens. There are people that want to have their community be safe and healthy. So I connected with those people, met my first mentor, Sybil Atwood. She was so inspiring and they now have an award named after her. She's since passed. So I got this bachelor's education and I thought, hmm, I'm going to be so important. I am going to deal with the worst case scenario issues first. So I chose to intern at a hospice. God bless it. I learned a lot from those people. It's a very kind and compassionate way to end your life. And I was innocently bored out of my mind because that just wasn't the pace that I wanted. But it did teach me something because that year, five family members died, I believe, in one year while I was working at the hospice. And so here I was and realizing death is not the worst thing that can happen to somebody. In fact, that is the easiest thing that can happen. That, that, that is the, we're, we don't have to do this anymore time. But there are so many other things in this life that tend to cause us more pain than death. And so early on, I really got this idea that there are circumstances worse than what I think is the worst case scenario. So then I went and I applied to master's degrees. And, you know, nobody in my family at that time had a master's degree. Only a few of us had gone to college. We are the first generation, except for, I mean, after that, some of the, um, the parents went back to college, but essentially we were the first generation, my cousins and I. So I applied for master's programs, got into the University of Michigan. Now, here's a farm girl without a lot of life experience, getting into a very prestigious, what they call the Harvard of the U.S., and it was intimidating, and it was scary, and it was pompous and arrogant, and I loved it so much I applied for a Ph.D. program <laughs> because they really validated my desire to learn and change the world, and, it, you know, that's their job. They foster innovation and imagination. And I'm very proud to report that I have a very dear cousin that works there now. And it's just, that's, that's my, like, that's my excitement that we infiltrated that system. Um, so I didn't really want to stay in Michigan after the degree. I worked with the homeless shelters. I worked in a detox center at the time before I ever had substance use issues. And from there, I found a job in Alaska, back to Alaska, Bush, Alaska. Let me paint a picture for you. The flight to Anchorage is three, two to three plane rides. From there, you fly in a smaller plane to the hub, which I lived in Bethel. So the hub was an hour away because there are no roads to get there. The only way to get there is to fly. From that place, I became a school social worker, and then later um, I worked with Indian Health Services, and I was up there for five years. From that, from that hub of 6,000 people, my life changed drastically. I flew, to, I flew to Bush Villages with populations anywhere from 50 to 1,000 people. I flew to islands in the Bering Sea. 
I slept on school floors. I really, really saw people living off of the land. I learned so much from my dear friends, Martha, who taught me how to skin a seal and ice fish, and Debbie, who taught me the incredible wealth of information that the ancestors were holding. The men who I learned how to appreciate nature from, those who subsisted and understanding that each season has its own rhythm and own tasks and own purposes and really, really, really gained respect for the idea that I don't have all the answers and I'm not supposed to. And it's so funny because my first visit to a house, uh, I naively was tasked with being um, an attendance officer and we nixed that in the bud with supervision real quick. My first house visit was two hours long. And do you want to know why? Is because I was told everything we've ever done wrong with that population as white people coming in to save them. And I say that with kindness because I know that a lot of us have had good intentions. But you cannot come into somebody else's world and tell them your way of doing things because they don't live your life. <laughs> And you don't live theirs. And you don't know what it takes to live their life. And so what a great grounding that was. What a, what a what an oh shit moment. You know, this white saviorism that we have going on where we think, especially the women, that we have, you know, we can fix the world. This population that I worked with, the Native Alaskans, the Chupik and the Yupik Native Alaskans, they don't need fixing. They need healing. There's nothing they're doing wrong. We have come in. We have told them that their ways are not okay, that they're even heathen, that they're not allowed to dance, that they're not allowed to speak their own language because that's not okay with God. And we divided that land up into five different religious um, missionary uh, sections, if you will. And you can tell. You can tell when you go there what village is related to which religion, quite honestly, from my perspective, based on the health of the village. Because some religions mm, navigated them away from their own ways, and it shows because there's a soul wound there that we ourselves have caused. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I didn't do that. And, you know, I don't, I, I, that was a long time ago. You're right. It was, except for we need to listen when people tell us that we have hurt them. That's another chapter, another story. So I'm going to, you know, I could talk about Alaska all day. I could talk about any topic all day because I love the experiences that I've had in my life. But here's the takeaway that I want you to have from this episode. During this time, I met so many different people from Walt Disney World to Alaska. I know people from almost, I don't know, two thirds of the countries of the world right now. And there are so many similarities and there are vast differences. Um, 
so on that note, I'm going to leave you with the next time we talk, I'll talk about how I got introduced to Albanians and what that did for me. But Alaska is a special place. The people there have been around for centuries. And it was the first immersive experience I had living in somebody else's culture, not speaking their own, not speaking their language, so that when you walked into a store and they were talking, you felt like they were talking about you. And guess what? They probably were. We all would benefit from that experience because there are many people walking around with different identities, different skin colors, different internal things going on. And I, there are so many people that we judge based on the outside. And so it's really good to be exposed to risking what that feels like. It's a great learning opportunity. I loved it so much. I was up there five years. I came back with an addiction issue. We'll talk about that next time. Your takeaways are that life is bigger than we could have ever imagined. And yet at the same time, we all struggle with the same things. Basic human suffering. And it's in that lens that I want to continue these podcasts. Hopefully this was helpful. Let me know what you think about my experiences. Let me know if I can help you get experiences because I want you to see the world. I want you to feel the world. I want you to live in awe and wonder. And that's what I hope out of this podcast. So we will talk more later.